Well, good morning. So good to be with you this morning. As Stephen mentioned, my name is Steve Grissom. I'm the associate pastor at South Shore Baptist Church. And South Shore sends their greetings and their prayers of support. And I just want to thank you, first of all, thank you for allowing me to come and proclaim God's word. But also, I want to just thank you for your perseverance. Um, It's not an easy time. Uh, You've heard this over and over again. I'm not going to stress the difficulty of our days, but it's not an easy time to be a believer with all sorts of opinions. So I just want to thank you for your perseverance in the faith as we grow together, as we walk by faith day after day. Well, it is interesting that uh, Pastor Stephen talked about the importance and the discipline of uh, daily Bible reading and prayer. I think if I did a poll and asked how many people think prayer is important, I think it would be unanimous. And in these days, a poll is unanimous is a special thing. But we all would say prayer is important. Well, when you think of a prayer warrior, who comes to mind? While there are many people who pray, few know the power of prayer. At times, I could see in my life where I pray more regularly, but then at other times, I pray seldomly. Prayer is not just a discipline for the Christian life, but it is a way of life. As you desperately cry out to the God who hears us, and this is what's amazing, which we'll see in just a few minutes in Psalm 4, who responds, who hears us, and who responds to us. Prayer is intimate as we talk to our Heavenly Father with our personal thoughts. Prayer is walking by faith as we believe God's promises. Prayer is worship as we trust in the triune God who is all-glorious. And prayer is resting in the God who plans our steps. And that's where I'm really going to focus today, is resting in the God who plans our steps. We know that God is sovereign, that He has made everything, He orchestrates everything, He's in control of everything. But now our hearts have to turn to Him and have to trust Him and rest in Him. Now I say have to, but we know that we get to, as people of God, that we delight in resting in the God who plans our steps. Well, I love the Psalms. Anytime I preach from the Psalms, I use this quote. You know, Sometimes I use so, so many quotes, I forget who I got this from. But the Psalms are God's tranquilizers for everyday life. They, they put our hearts at ease. And they remind me personally that I'm not alone. They reveal God's presence in the difficult moments of life. The Psalms whisper hope in my ear, reminding me that God is near. So with that introduction, let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 4. I'm going to read this psalm, and then we will pray together. Psalm 4 is a psalm of David. Hear the word of our King. Answer me when I call. God who vindicates me, you freed me from affliction. Be gracious to me. And hear my prayer. How long, exalted ones, will my honor be be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Verse 1. 
on your bed. Reflect in your heart and be still or be silent. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious Father, we thank you, we praise you for the fact that you hear us when we call. You are the God who protects us. You are our refuge and you are our strength. You are the one who opens our eyes to your beauty, to your goodness, to your grace, to your mercy. And so, Father, as we look upon you, as we gaze upon your beauty, Father, would you stir our hearts this morning? Would you free us from um, slavery to sin? Would you remind us of your goodness when we are prone to worry and anxiety is, fills our hearts and our minds? Father, would you teach us that you are our Father who cares for his children? So, Lord, as your children, we pray. As your children, we beg of you to protect us and to show us your divine favor. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you hear us when we call. So, Lord, we want to know you. We want to trust you. And ultimately today, my prayer is that we will rest in you. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Fix our eyes on your word that points to your son, Jesus Christ. And ultimately, our rest is found in him and him alone. Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in Psalm 4, we see that, again, this psalm was written by David. David has written, as you probably know, more than half of the psalms. And it's to be accompanied with stringed instruments. So, Joe, this is for you. You know, you could uh, play along as I preach. Not today. But instruments are important. We know instruments are important. And they, they accompany us as we sing. And they can even accompany us as we pray. And so here David sets the scene for us and he reminds us that we can find rest, we can find peace, we can find refuge even when things are uncertain, even whenever our enemies surround us. And so David pours out his complaint, he pours out this prayer as he finds rest in God alone. So my purpose for preaching today is to remind us that we can find rest even when fears surrounds us on every side. This is a simple psalm. There's only eight verses, and it relates to King David's life, but we see that it relates to our lives as well. In our stories, we find struggles. In our stories, we find when there's fear, and we call out to the Lord God. So in this psalm, in Psalm 4, we don't have to wonder who the focus of the prayer is on. Who, who's the focus on? It's on the Lord God. Time and again, we see David call out to the Lord. He says, answer me when I call. So he cries out to God. That's the beauty of praying. 
What's, what, what's happening when we pray? We're turning, not just physically, but spiritually. Our hearts are turning to God. We are saying, I need you, God, when we pray. We are trusting in God. And so our hearts, our eyes are drawn to the Lord even now as we pray. So David outlines for us the Lord's nearness in our distress. In everyday situation, in everyday problems, in all sorts of trials, the Lord is near. He sees God's presence in the messiness of life. And ultimately, he's calling God's people to trust in the Lord. When there's moments of panic, David is resetting. We are resetting and we are being refreshed by the Lord. Well, I have three critical observations for us to implement in our daily prayers, not just for 2021, but even for today. So the first critical observation, this is, this is groundbreaking. You've never heard this before. No, I'm just kidding. Call on the Lord. When we pray, we have to talk. We have to call on the Lord. In every relationship, there must be communication. Spouses are reminded of this daily. We must communicate. Coworkers talk to complete a project. Parents talk with their children. Siblings talk with one another when they're working out a conflict. In marriage, spouses talk as teammates because of their special relationship to one another. Well, because of relationship, those who follow God... Talk to God by calling on Him, by calling on Him in desperation and in dependence upon Him, because not only because He rules over all, but because He's our Heavenly Father. He cares for us. So the first thing we are to do is to call on the Lord. This is what David does in verse 1. He says, Answer me when I call the God who vindicates me. Or maybe your translation might say, O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief. Sometimes my back acts up, and uh, one of my favorite go-to medicines is a leave. I, I say sometimes I should do a commercial for a leave because it brings relief to my back. Well, here we find relief for our souls because David says, when I was in distress or when I was in affliction... So he prays, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. This is not a whiny demand for attention. It's a plea to the God who hears us and who responds to us. So the opening verse shows us God's nature, that he is righteous. We should always look for God's character when we're reading the Psalms and reading any passage. And here we see that God is righteous. But more than a description of who God is, this is a declaration. We are proclaiming as we pray, God, you are righteous. You are my defender. You are the one that I seek refuge in. So David knows that God will act on behalf of his people. This, psalms, this sounds similar to Psalm 18. Have you ever read the Psalms and thought, I thought I just read this in the previous Psalm? Well, they're very similar because we are crying out to the God who is uh, who is uh, who shows us his his character time and again. So we see that God is righteous and who righteously defends his children. The word for 
righteous or vindication is in Hebrew, it's sedek. This expresses a right relationship between God and his people. So he cries out to the God who cares for his people. So David's faith in God's righteousness is revealed in this psalm. So David boldly calls upon God. This is instructive for us as we pray that we can pray boldly and humbly. We should always pray with boldness, but also with humility. So do you recall a time when you prayed with urgency to God? Perhaps it was a health struggle. Perhaps it was on behalf of a a family member. Perhaps it was uh, your family was in dire financial straits. But we don't have to wait for emergencies to pray. We can pray to the Father who hears us. So it's imperative that we talk to Him. And a good friend of mine in Alabama, he reminds me, he said, short prayers count too. That we don't have to, you know, set aside 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour to pray. There's nothing wrong with that. You can do that, but you can pray when you are driving. I mean, it's important to keep your eyes open, but we can pray at any time. Short prayers count too. So first we see here, it's imperative we talk to God, that we call on the Lord. Prayer is a form of communication where children adopted by God cast themselves on the mercy of God. One of my favorite prayers, speaking of short prayers, is in Luke 18, where we see, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So now let's move on to verse 2. David continues his plea, his petition to the Lord. And here David says, how long? Twice he describes the condition of his enemies. Elsewhere, if we were to look at the Psalms, we see this phrase, how long, how long? But elsewhere, it usually describes personal pain and suffering. But here the phrase, how long, describes the deception of his enemies. In other words, how long are they going to continue in their deception? So this group of people is designated as men. Or maybe you might see there where it says um, men who are uh, powerful. These were prominent citizens who were wealthy, who were influential. So David knows that they are seeking for his downfall. But he also knows that they are seeking after false gods. He knows that they are deceived. So what does David do? He prays for them. These are his enemies. Yet he prays for them to believe the truth. Do we pray for our enemies in like fashion? If not, why not? We are tempted to ignore our enemies or to reject our enemies. But Jesus calls us to do what? To love our enemies. This is what sets us aside as Christ followers from every other religion. We convert through love. So Jesus tells us, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. So even in our prayers, we can show our enemies who the Lord God is because we believe in his power to change. God has power to change us. He changed me. He changed you. You could, we could stand up today and speak of his power to change us. So David prays for his enemies. So the first point 
that we can implement in our daily prayers is we must first call on the Lord. Second, the second point is to know the Lord. This is where verse 3 begins. So the key word of verse, uh, the first two verses is talk. If you wanted to summarize verses 3 through 5, it's trust. So we are called to know the Lord. As the psalm continues, it's imperative to fix our eyes and our thoughts on what is true. So it's worth highlighting. If you highlight, maybe you want to underline in your Bible the the words of verse 3, to know the Lord. So it's important to know the Lord. And for David, this was vital for him. It's vital for us as we consider our circumstances. The enemies of David were to recognize his position as well as his power. And so David was chosen as king. And he was set apart by the Lord. And the Lord has shown him favor, not just him, but all who trust in him through faith in the Savior. So David is calling on us to know the Lord. The faithful know the Lord and his goodness. First Peter 3 reminds us that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Then we come to verse 4. Verse 4 is a bit puzzling. So let me reread it. David says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. One commentator called this verse problematic. thought, that's not helpful. <laughs> problematic or not, it is for our benefit. So the peculiar part of verse 4 is the words, be angry. We, th- we think, well, what should we do with those words? Well, not all anger is sin, but most of the time, anger expressed is laced with sin. So here, it's better to view the word be angry as to tremble or to be agitated or to be disturbed. So take that agitation and couple it with the end of the verse to be silent. So to be agitated with the command to be silent. So what is David saying here? As David's enemies are trembling in silence, they're commanded to not sin, but to ponder or to search their own hearts. So as they sit in silence, as in that agitation, they are called to sit, to ponder. And what are they to do in that pondering moment? To turn, to turn from their sin to repent. So David's counsel here in Psalm 4, in verse 4, is for them to repent, even in their silence. We know emotions are raw and strong, but they can be redirected when we submit our will to the Lord God. Now, I do want to have a quick disclaimer here. Emotions, because sometimes we can misunderstand emotions, emotions are not bad in and of themselves. In fact, Emotions can be very good. They reflect our humanity and our creativity. But we should take stock of our emotions and how we respond. That's the key. How do we respond to our emotions? So in the emotional roller coaster of life, it's vital to turn our emotional needs to the God who knows us and that we can trust in. This is where we turn now in verse 5. Well, we're halfway there. We're halfway through the psalm, and now we see not only to call on the Lord, but to know the Lord. And in verse 5, we see 
offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. These sacrifices in righteousness are not sacrifices out of duty. It's not, again, I have to do these things, but they're out of delight. Sacrifices out of delight, out of devotion, out of a heart that's been changed, out of a heart that knows God, out of a heart that's been, that, that, uh, calls out to God and the God who answers us, we will delight in sacrificing to Him and trusting in the Lord. So the first point, if you're taking notes, is to call on the Lord. Second point, know the Lord. And then we're going to spend a few moments on the last, po- last point, rest in the Lord. This is verses 6, 7, and 8. Key word here is rest. Rest and trust are linked as we believe God, as we live according to His ways. But we know as, as we believe God, as we live according to His ways, as we walk by faith, we know that the Christian life is not one of ease. It's not one where there's no pain. We know the Christian life has trials. We're barraged by trials, whether it's a flat tire or a new update from the governor or just trying to live daily. We're barraged by trials and our hearts have lots of questions. Um, our minds are filled with questions. And we see these questions are raised even in verse 6. Verse 6 says, many are asking, who can show us anything good? We could, we could go on and on with other questions. We have questions even this morning. Who can show us anything good? Well, the first question I had when I read the psalm was, who are the many? Who are the many who are asking these questions? Are they cynics? Are they atheists? Are they skeptics? I believe that they are just disciples with doubts. And I think that that can be us. Disciples with doubts who followed maybe from a distance. Maybe they weren't right on David's uh, path. I mean, maybe they weren't right behind him. But I think that these are disciples with doubts, supporters who are honestly questioning the circumstances of life. And I think that we can relate, that we have questions at times. So we all might have questions as even as we pray. The Psalms teach us that it's okay to pray, help me. I don't know. I'm afraid. I'm alone. I'm angry. I'm sorrowful. Or even, I've prayed this before, maybe you've prayed this before, do you hear me? Why is this happening? But as we ask those questions, we don't wait in silence. We wait in hope. We may be helpless. We may feel helpless, but we wait in hope. So even as the questions say, who can show us anything good? We know where our goodness is found. It's found in the Lord. And the reason why I believe that these are supporters, disciples with doubt, is because of the words that follow. Look at what David, on us, on us, let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. So may the blessings of God be evident to those who follow by faith. And we know it's a journey, day after day, persevering, not just calling on God, but calling on our brothers and sisters to pray with us 
as we stir one another on towards loving good deeds, that that includes praying. So we pray for God's light to shine on us, even in the darkness, in the stress, in the frustrations. So David responds to corporate lament in verse 7, and and he reminds us, God is not absent. He is present. In verse 7, he says, you have put more joy in my heart. I love verse 7 in contrast to verse 6. Who can show us anything good? You, O Lord, are good. And you have put joy in my heart. Not because of the circumstances, but because of your goodness. So David describes God's presence through his confidence in God's promises. His covenantal special promises. More than a harvest of grain or new wine to savor, God has shown joy and favor to those who trust in Him. I feel like I've been moving quickly, but here we are. Verse 8. We arrive at our last verse of the psalm. Verse 8, and David writes, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me live in safety. Some of you may know a dear saint who went to be with the Lord at South Shore Baptist. Wes Gustafson had so many verses memorized. I went to see him not long in the hospital not long before he went to be with his Savior. He had so many verses memorized. In fact, he said, um, I asked him what I could read from Scripture, and he quoted um, a few verses from a psalm, and then he quoted Psalm 4, verse 8. And I thought it was so appropriate. Right before he went to be with his maker, he said, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. Here's a man suffering in so much pain, not fixed on himself, not even fixed on his family members who are around him, fixed his eyes on the Lord. Just like David. David's confidence is conveyed again, even as enemies lurked around him, even as questions swirled from supporters and disciples, even as relief does not come at times. He finds confidence in the Lord. Relief in our own lives may not come as quickly as we might like, Yet we can find confidence in the Lord. Our confidence can fluctuate from day to day, not because of God's goodness, but because of our uneasiness, but because of the fickleness of our faith. Sometimes when we lay down to sleep, our minds swirl with anxiety about something. Family situations, health problems, marital strife, finances, political unrest, the list can go on and on. Worries can seem to shout loud in the middle of the night. Yet in our tossing and in our wondering, God's word can shout as well. I've been reading two books, one by David Murray, um, one by Shona Murray, his wife. And Shona Murray writes this. She says, in the silence of the night, when anxiety crawls into bed with me, it's it's a good time to exercise faith in biblical truth and let it wedge between anxiety and me. When I worry about my family, I believe God when he says, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, you are of more value than many sparrows. When I worry about my lack of spiritual vitality, 
I believe him when he says, if you then being evil know how to good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When we lie down, we recognize we need rest. When we sleep, we are aware that we are not omnipotent. We are not all-powerful. We need to be recharged. David Murray writes this on the importance of sleep in his book, Reset. He says, few things are as theological as sleep. Show me your sleep pattern and I'll show you your theology. Because we all preach a sermon in and by our sleep. For example, if we pride ourselves in sleeping only five hours a night, we preach the following truths. I don't trust God with my work. I don't trust God with my church. Or I don't trust God with my family. Sure, I believe God is sovereign, but he needs all the help I can give him. If I don't do the work, who will? Although Christ promised to build his church, who's doing the night shift? I don't respect how my God, how my creator has made me. I'm strong enough to cope without God's gift of sufficient daily sleep. I refuse to accept my creaturely limitations and bodily needs. I see myself more as a machine than as a human being. That's not a good mindset to have. There are so many reasons why sleep is good. A friend of mine once said, one of the best theological things you can do sometimes is to take a nap. Athletes recognize the importance of sleep. Tennis champion Roger Federer used to sleep 11 to 12 hours a night. Usain Bolt, during his time, slept 8 to 10 hours a night. Former NBA star Grant Hill said, I I think sleep is just as important as diet and exercise. If I don't sleep 11 to 12 hours a day, it's just not right. That's a lot of sleep. (laughs) Besides the emotional, intellectual, financial, physical, and other consequences, we must not ignore the spiritual consequences. One more quote. From D.A. Carson, if you are among those who become nasty, cynical, or even full of doubt when you are missing your sleep, you are morally obligated to try to get the sleep you need. We are whole, complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied to our spiritual well-being, to our mental outlook, to our relationship with others, including our relationship with God. Sometimes the godliest thing that you can do in the universe is to get a good night's sleep. Not pray all night, but sleep. I'm certainly not denying that there may be a place for praying all night. I'm merely insisting that in the normal course of things, spiritual discipline obligates you to get the sleep your body needs. Well, as we close, ultimately, as you sleep and as you rest, it should remind yourself and others of our Savior and of salvation. As we think about our Savior, the Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus slept. And that's just as important as Jesus wept. It shows us Christ's humanity. It shows us Christ's humility. Well, not, does it, not only does it show us our Savior, but it shows us salvation. What are you doing when you sleep? Don't say snoring. Nothing. You're doing absolutely nothing. This reveals maybe why Jesus uses rest as an illustration for salvation. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, 
all who labor and are and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So as we approach 2021, we need rest. So today, put your trust in the Lord by resting in the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I praise you that we can call upon you. And Lord, we are amazed that you hear us. So Lord, we come before your throne of grace. And Lord, we, we hear in your word that you answer us in our time of need. So Lord, we trust you because you are the God who is worthy of our trust. And Lord, we find in your word that we find peace and we find rest. So, Lord, help us to cast all of our cares upon you, to cast all of our anxiety upon you, because it's in you alone that we are safe and we find rest. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.